Welcome to the Local Church Matters podcast, where we talk about the matters of the local church and why the local church matters. I'm here with my co-host and co-pastor, Brad. Hello. And uh, this is episode five on this journey on understanding the local church and the various aspects of it. Uh, last couple of weeks, we've uh, really dove in just right into what we what we've been trying to do, particularly talking about the beginning of the church and talking about the clear difference between church and, and Israel, so that we're getting a good definition of the church and its origin. Today, we would like to talk about the nature of the church, the nature of the church. So that's what we want to do. We want to talk about the nature of the church. But before we do that, um, Brad is Brad and I are preachers, and so we say all kinds of things in, in the pulpit. And back when Brad and I did uh, a study through ecclesiology, the study of the church with our church, Brad, you made a statement, and a quote, and I want to quote you, and I just am curious what uh, you mean by this. This is what you said. If you think the church is lame— it's your theology of the church that is lame. What is? Uh, do you remember saying that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was addressing the whole "church is lame" mentality, and just trying to to say, yeah, if you think that, you have a you have a wrong view of the church because you have a low view of the church. You don't understand what the Bible actually teaches about the nature of the church, the importance of the church. Uh, the price Jesus paid for the church, he, you know, purchased with his own blood. So, yeah, if you if you think the church is lame, it's because your theology, your ecclesiology is lame. And you need to uh, study the scripture and come to a better understanding and realization and appreciation for the church. If you if you give a kid a, a gold bar. You know, what are they going to do with it? <laughs> you know, you, they're gonna put it in the dirt. Your kid, your kid turns two or three or four, and for their birthday, you give them a gold bar. What are they gonna do? It, it, it doesn't bounce. It doesn't roll. It doesn't make any funny noise. <laughs> yeah, they would rather have a candy bar. They would oh. rather have a bar of chocolate than a bar of gold. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they don't understand the value of it. They don't understand the significance of it, the price of it, the cost of it, the worth of it. So. The same is true for a person that thinks the church is lame. It's that they're like that child who doesn't understand the value of what the church is. And the only way to fix that is to get into the word, study what the New Testament in particular says about the nature and value and beauty and purpose of the church. And so that's why we're doing this. Yeah, and, I, and that is exactly the, the point of our, our podcast is we want to understand, <clears throat> want to help you understand the nature of the local church, what it is and how it's special and unique and uh, what it means to God and, and to the apostles is since we're built upon the foundation of our prophets and the apostles. So let's get talking about the nature of the local church. There's there's really only one thing we really want to talk about, and that is just that. There's, there's all kinds of directions we could go in really understanding the nature of the local church. But there's one way in particular we want to talk about the nature of the local church and and that is by using what the bible uses as 
metaphors. Metaphors, right? Mm -hmm. And this study, this study could go on for a very long time. And people have taken this uh, a long time to figure these these things out. Well, there's so many metaphors. Yeah, it would be a great study for anybody, really. Yeah. To sit down and consider, go through the New Testament, consider the implications, the truth of each metaphor, like uh, that the church is a flock, the, the church is uh, branches, the church is a bride, yeah. the church is a building. There's a lot of bees here. Mm -hmm. um, the church is a temple. The church is subjects. They're also slaves. They're also a household. So mm -hmm. there's all these metaphors that are given to us both by Jesus but also by the apostles or by Paul in particular. And, and you can, we could spend, you know, multiple podcasts on this and maybe that is what you want. If it's true, write in, let us know. We'll spend as much time as you want. We don't have an email. They can't write in, <laughs> but today we want to focus on one, just one uh, that we think is maybe not the most important because they are all important. But the, the amount of times it is used in Paul's writings, I think, tells us there's an emphasis on, on how we need to understand the church. And that is that the church is a body. Yeah, that's certainly the most prominent metaphor in the New Testament. And it's, it's a vivid one, right? It's, it's very effective. It's a very helpful analogy um, because we have bodies we relate to that analogy very easily and it, it it's very adequate at helping us understand especially the relationship between jesus and us right jesus mm -hmm. and believers or jesus and his church so it's a good it's a good analogy to think about and focus on and and, and talk about yeah and maybe even more so if you look at the negative side not all of us have been around sheep so or shepherding people not all of us have mm -hmm. done pruning for branches, not all of us have been a bride. I'm, I've never been a bride. Um, not all of us have been slaves or know what a temple is. So, so a body really is exactly that. It's really helpful to us because we all live as a body, and we know exactly what that means to have body and body parts. Mm -hmm. Well, first we have to say where does the where does it for those people who don't know? Maybe this is new. Where does the Bible talk about the church being? A body. Several places, right? Some briefly, some more expanded, but um, several references in Colossians to the church being the body of Christ, Christ being the head of his church, the body. Ephesians, uh, same thing, two or three times in Ephesians references that Christ is the head, we are the body. Um, obviously, the most extended passage in Ephesians would be chapter four, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because here Paul is making, uh, after his long bit of theology, talking about salvation um, and, and being made alive in Christ, the first application he makes is body life, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is really interesting. But that's exactly what it is. He goes all the way through this, and body is uh, the focus. So chapter four of Ephesians, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. So all these ones, one of those is the oneness of the body. First, well, Corinthians, first Corinthians 12, obviously too, 
uh, 12 to 14, that whole section focuses on the church as the body and just the implications of that practically for each of us being parts of that body, body parts within that body, mm-hmm. the value of each individual to the whole. Yeah. And so what we really want to do from here is, is uh, um, you're more than welcome, welcome to go and, and look at all those texts. There's quite a few of them. You could probably just go to your concordance and look for body and you'll find a lot. What we want to talk about is the implications of what this means. What does it mean that the church is the body of Christ? And we have, I think there's lots of implications to this. And I think we have to start with Christ himself, with what we just said there, that Christ is the head of the body. So if we're the body and he's the head, what does that say about the church? Yeah, it says that we're all dependent on him, for one, right? He's he's the brains. <laughs> he's the uh, he's the one that thinks and coordinates and makes it all work. But we're the we're the parts that he controls, and and um, so it's kind of describing. Um, just what it says, him as the head, the the leader, the ruler over the church, and the one that we all submit to and respond to and obey. He prompts, he he compels us to follow and do what he commands, and that's that's what we do. He's in charge. And so I think that's exactly where we're at when we talk about the implication of the church is that the church is one that is under authority. And is under direction. Um, that's that's what the church is meant to be. We're not our own entity, outside of or just by ourselves, as if we're not owned by somebody or directed by somebody. But rather, Christ is our head, and we are dependent and following His direction because He's our head. So that's the first one. Christ is our head. But secondly, the the body. The body analogy for the church and understanding the church means that we are not independent, right? Mm-hmm. We're not flying solo. We're not just kind of off on our own doing our thing. We become a Christian and then I do my Christian life by myself. Yeah, which is kind of the, I don't know common attitude, right? Standard attitude and approach to the Christian life. It's my Christian life. I, it's all about me and my growth and my ministry and et cetera. And we become very uh, individualistic in our thinking um, instead of realizing our interconnectivity instead and our dependence on not just Jesus as the head, but mutual dependence on all the other body parts, you know, as well. Um, you don't, you don't see, if you go to the mall to people watch, you don't see body parts walking around independently. You don't see legs, feet, hands, you know, walking around independent. They are always connected to a body. And so it should be with every believer. You are connected to, not just Christ, but to the body of Christ. And 
if you're not, you're a body part and a body part disconnected from the body is not alive. It dies. It doesn't function. It's not healthy. So yeah. And to think, to think just in terms of your own individual self is missing the point. And that's why the body analogy is very helpful for us. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a worthless body part. If you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. like it's, there's no reason for it to exist apart from the body, the rest of the body parts. I think we can also say that this was a point that you had brought up. And so I'm curious where, where you headed with this, but what it means to be part of the body also is that you're not a consumer. What, what do you mean by that in relation to the body? Yeah. Well, we're, you know, again, part of the same mantra, the individualistic, thing or the church is lame because the church, what do I get out of the church? I don't get anything out of the church. And there's a very selfish uh, perspective toward the church and how it meets my needs and, and so on, instead of realizing that it's, it's a body that we all participate in and contribute to. Uh, I'm not just here to consume the body that the, that the church is a body, you know, is, sort of counters that mentality that we're for many of us, the church is just like a restaurant we go to. We, you know, we, we fill our plate with the things that we want on it. We stuff ourselves. We give some money on the way out and maybe we come back. Maybe we don't, maybe we find a better one, but we kind of treat the the church like a restaurant, uh, like a buffet line where we're, we're just there to get what we want out of it instead of realizing that uh, not only is there something that I need out of it, but the church needs something out of me as well. So I'm not just a consumer. I'm a, I'm a contributor. And the, the body analogy forces us to think that way and, and participate that way. Yeah. And maybe we could even say if, if we relate to the physical body, not every body part in every situation gets, gets fulfilled in every way. You know, you may use your legs all the time, but that doesn't mean that something else in your body isn't also benefiting some way from that or that it, that it needs to be used in that way. Um, when you eat, you don't really need the sole of your foot necessarily, unless you're in that buffet line, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you know, that there's something functioning in that body part that helps the other body part, even if the other body part isn't active at the time. So you don't have to constantly be used or, or be gaining something in order for you to be a contributor to the church. So it's not a, what you came for attitude and then leave. It's a, well, I'm here for the good of this body and whatever the body needs me to be. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Well, thirdly or fourthly, um, what, the, what this <clears throat> body analogy means is that you are dependent upon others and, and, and on the other way, they are dependent on you. Yeah. So what do we mean by that? Yeah. Paul talks about that in, in first Corinthians 12, just how no, no body, no, no part of the body can say to another, I don't need you, you know, um, no, I do need you. And I think it's, it's, coming to the realization of how important each member of the body is. Uh, 
even to me personally, I need to be around members of the body that are different than me and, and think different and do things differently than I do. Uh, that helps us all to have a more realistic picture of what the church is and how it functions. It keeps us humble. It helps us to be uh, realistic in our expectations of each other. Um, and it helps us to appreciate the diversity that each member brings. Yeah. You don't, you don't do things like I do. Yeah. Cause I'm a nose and you're a tongue. Um, I'm not supposed to do what you do. Um, but we're all important. We're, we're all valuable. We're all necessary to the health and function of the whole body. And just learning to appreciate that, appreciate our differences, appreciate that many times our differences are based on our gifts. The part we play, the way we function makes us different um, than one another. And so we need to appreciate that and, and value that because of our dependence upon it. Um, and, and the health that it is for me spiritually, personally, to be around people that uh, think differently than I do and do things differently than I do. Yeah, and that's really one of our other points about what does this mean, is there is a diversity within the body. That's That text I read you in Ephesians 4 where it talks about one body and one spirit. By the time you get to verse 7, it says, But to each one of us grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then in verse 11, it goes on to list some of those gifts, or at least the leading, the leading gifts, uh, the leadership gifts. In other words, we're diverse. You only have one hand. You only have, well, you have two pinkies, but you only have two hands. Uh, but you only have, you have two ears, but that just means that there's a lot of other body parts going on. Meaning that not everybody has the same gifts and we can't expect a nose to act like an eye or the eye to act like a foot. Uh, but rather we need to be doing the gift functioning in the gift, uh, the body part in which we are supposed that, which we've been given in order for the good of the body to function, the health of the body to happen. So we're diverse as well, right? Yeah. I think, and that's a, that's a healthy uh, tension and balance. We all have to, embrace um on the one hand we we need to as paul says there in ephesians 4 be diligent verse 3 to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace in other words recognizing that the spirit has created this group of people and he's created the unity that we share and we need to we need to promote that and protect that and preserve that unity and not disrupt that unity at the same time we also need to prize the diversity that exists within that unity yeah. uh, that unity doesn't mean uniformity we're, we're united but we're still unlike each other in many ways based on the spiritual gifts that we're given and we have to prize and protect and preserve and promote that just as strongly as we do the unity. And that can be very difficult to do um, because that comes down usually, doesn't it, to relational conflict and how we, you know, deal with that in the church and how we um, learn to walk in humility with each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, and what that means then is, and maybe our next <clears throat> couple points that even just come off of that really simply is that, 
the goal of, of being at church is that you are a contributor. You, you are vital to the church because you are a different body part. Just like the hand is a vital part, just like the knee is a vital part, just like the kidney that you never see is a vital part to your physical body. So then you are also a vital part of the church because you're supposed to be a contributor. That's then Ephesians 4 again after it goes on, of course, to listen list those, those leadership gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Their job is to equip the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body until we attain unity. So the point of the point of pastors and teachers is uh, those who are in leadership of the church. They are to equip the saints so that they go do the work of the ministry. They go do their body part right? so that the whole church is built so that the whole church attains unity. So we're back to that. It starts with unity, says we're diverse, shows the diversity, and then we're right back to unity again. I love yeah. that. Yeah, there's no there's no spectators there. There's no spectators in the church. This this you know sort of built in um, uh, attitude that we have where you know we go to church, we sit, we listen. There's a few that do everything, and then the rest of us are just sort of observing, spectating, uh, watching, benefiting, however you want to say it. And that's not at all the picture that Paul is painting here. Um, we're, we're trying to equip you to do the work of ministry that God has given you to do. Our job is not to do the ministry. Our job is to equip you to do the ministry, mm-hmm. which obviously implies that you are gifted to do it. You have been given a capacity spiritually to make a contribution, and it's our job to help you figure out what that is but it, you know, and to equip you to do it, but you're to do it. We're not to do your ministry, just like you're not to do ours, but we all have one is the point and constantly helping each other grow and understanding what our ministry is so that we're all doing it and effect effectively doing it is really the key. Yeah. And, and again, the goal is unity, but then as you go on in Ephesians four thirteen. Also, the goal is to be mature uh, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, to no longer be children. So if we're not all doing our body part job, we are not growing up. Mm-hmm. We're not becoming mature. And that's that's where the vitalness of you as a Christian the church needs you because they will grow up as you are there. And then as you are there, you grow up and it becomes a personal and corporate growing up together into being more like Christ. Yeah, I love what he says there at the end of that. Uh, verse 14, as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there. Um, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that, which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. So what causes the growth 
of the body to maturity is the proper working of what? Each individual part. So again, if you think the church is lame, my response to that would be, you're lame. In other words, the church is a body and you're a leg and you aren't doing your job. You aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. The church depends on you and you're limp, you're lame, you're broken. You're not doing what you were designed to do. The whole body can only grow to maturity if each individual member of the body is growing and fulfilling their part. So um, take it personally. If the church is lame, it's because you're lame. Do something about it. You know, you want the church to be different. And I think the Do key, the, the key, yeah, the key to all that really is our last point, and that is you've got to be humble. Yeah. I mean, that's the very beginning of all this, Ephesians right. four. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you've been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. In other words, the body, the nature of the church, is like their Lord in humility. That's what we're supposed to be like. And of course, Jesus modeled that for us uh, in the upper room with the disciples when he washed their feet. And after he washed all their nasty feet, he immediately got up and said, I did this as an example for you that you are to be humble toward one another. You're to serve one another. And that's exactly what the physical body has to do with the rest of the parts of the body. It all serves one another for the good of the body and the church is the same way. And that's not going to happen unless we are a servant. So the body equals being a servant. Church life is servant life. Mm -hmm. Very, very simply. So to summarize that Ephesians four passage in particular, what we could say is if you say, what does it mean to be the body? What are the implications of the church as the body of Christ? Um, it would be, it would be those five things then, right? Number one, it means we all have to practice humility. Uh, it means two, we all have to, we all have to preserve the unity. We all have to prize the diversity. We all have to participate in the ministry and we all have to work together to pursue maturity and those are the practical, I think, implications of the analogy. Uh, all those things need to be in play, and we all are involved in each of those things. So whatever your function in the church, do it, right? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And, of course, if you don't know these things, then we'll have another podcast on spiritual gifts and such. But to summarize that, we would say go ask your pastors and elders Get involved in your church. Find out where your church needs you to serve. Go serve, and you will discover where you fit in the body. But the goal is to serve, to humble yourself and serve your church. Yeah, if the church is a body, what does that mean? That means you're a body part, right? If the church is a body, then we're all body parts. So... What must be true? Number one, 
recognizing that every body part is vital, right? Essential, necessary, 1 Corinthians 12. And then that every part must also function, you know, do what you're supposed to do in the body. And Romans 12 talks more about, about that, how all the members do not have the same function, but they all have some function. And we all have to do what we're gifted to do. Yeah, and I think that's a great place to end this particular one. When we're talking about the nature of the church, we're talking that it's a body. Uh, under the submission of Christ, under his direction, and serving one another. That's that's what the church is to be. That's the nature of it. That's why Christ created it. Well, thank you for listening to Local Church Matters podcast. We will be back again next week to talk again about the matters of the local church and why the local church matters.